Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out uh, all the fun interviews I do over at 1250amthefan.com. Just got a really good one up of Tim Dillard. Uh, our weekly chat with Tim Dillard over at 1250amthefan.com. Brewers uh, analyst on Valley Sports Wisconsin, former Brewers pitcher. Uh, it was recorded yesterday prior to the Brewers winning the NL Central, thanks to Seiya Suzuki missing a ball in the outfield against the Braves and costing themselves a victory. Uh, but a really good interview uh, uh, going into the playoffs with Tim Dillard. Make sure to check that out. Presented to you by Fourth Base Restaurant. Jeff Rieger, 911. Jeff Rieger from back in the day when he worked here at 1250. Uh, now, of course, with 97 won the ticket in Detroit. Seemingly kind of cool deal, really, because Rieger was here. Not for very long. It felt like forever, but it really wasn't that long. Uh, it was here. Uh, four months, was it? Is that what it was? I believe four, four months. months, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was here. Uh, had a lot of fun. Made a lot of memories quickly. Uh, and then went back to work at the ticket in Detroit because that was kind of his his dream job. And he had a chance to go back and be like a Tigers insider and all that stuff. And back he went. Now he's got his own show, Wojo and Rieger. Weeknight 6 to 8 in Detroit on 97 won the ticket. Follow him on Twitter at Rieger1984. Jeff, thanks for coming on to talk Packer Lions. Sparky, always good to see you. Now, listen, I don't want to make anybody angry, but I got to bring this up. I got two things just right off the bat. Do you realize that the Lions have beat the Packers three games in a row? Uh, yes. That, that That is insane considering how it used to be. Do you also realize, I want to bring this up, because you guys don't like Aaron Rodgers anymore, right? You're happy he's gone. Uh, like yeah. You don't want him to get injured, obviously. It's but not Brett Favre. Like, Brett right. Favre, there was legitimate hate. Like, people just wanted him gone. Uh, Rodgers, I think it was just more, that's enough. Right. We've we're, had enough. The drama, we're sick of yeah. it. Well, I think it would make you happy when he got injured. And, and we hope he comes back next year. However, the Lions gave Aaron Rodgers his last loss. The Lions gave Aaron Rodgers his loss last at Lambeau last game too. And the Lions gave Aaron Rodgers his last game as a Packer at Lambeau. And Aaron Rodgers' last pass that was completed was completed to Kirby Joseph, an interception by the Detroit Lions. So th- this is the narrative here in Detroit. We're very excited about this. We put Aaron Rodgers to rest. <laughs> like after years and years and years of torment, we oh. finally got the Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, the Lions didn't go to the, get to go to the postseason, but they knocked you guys out of the postseason. So Lions fans are very happy about that. You know, it, it's interesting because you talk about Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions, and we've had you on a couple of times, Ryan Horvath and myself. Ryan Horvath off today. He'll be back yeah. on Friday to recap the game from uh, Thursday Night Football. Uh, catch him on BetMGM tonight, uh, each and every night, uh, part of the BetQL Radio Network. But we talked about Dan Campbell in the past and kind of what that dude's all about. Um, take him, leave him, whatever. But it seems like that locker room is completely bought into him. It seems like the fan base is completely bought into him. Um, it seems like uh, the new president, or however long she's been there now, um, she's the one that made that decision to hire him and bring yeah. her, bring him in. She stood by him through that first year that was god awful uh, and horrible. So it seems like everybody's in on Campbell. Do you think this is a long term? We're all in, or is this a hey? If we only win six or seven games, we're out quick, and we're going to want a new head coach. Like, how committed really are are we to Dan Campbell being the head coach? Because there are definitely expectations for this Lions team. Like, there probably hasn't been since Wayne Fonts. I mean, no, Mike you know, Caldwell. It, it's funny because I actually did another radio appearance in in the Milwaukee Green Bay area, and they're like, uh, they're like, when was the last time you guys actually had this optimism? 
And it was back in 1991. I was a freshman in high school, had my whole life in front of me. Now that's not the case anymore. And the Lions went all the way to the NFC title game. Yep. And, and since then, they made the playoffs every now and then. But, like, we've never seen optimism like this in Detroit. Like, the whole nation is bought in on the Lions as being the it team. But you bring up Dan Campbell, and everybody loves him, without a doubt. But he doesn't quite have the key to the city yet. And I don't believe he's bulletproof yet either because all you got to do is go back to last week. Before they beat the Falcons, they lost to Seattle. And in that game, Dan Campbell went for it three times on fourth down. Only converted once. Now, that drive did result in a touchdown. Another fourth down in their own territory gave the ball to Seattle. Geno Smith and company went downfield and scored a touchdown. So after the game, of course, the Lions lost. People were furious with Dan Campbell, keeping now the chart of how many times Campbell makes mistakes going back to year one and going back to year two. Last year against Minnesota, he made one. Last year against Buffalo, he made one. So, listen, we're getting used to expecting the win here. So people jump off pretty quickly. And then, of course, like he decided, and I don't know if you saw the game against Seattle, last drive in regulation, he was playing for a tie instead of playing for a win. That did not go over well at all. And, of course, all the negativity came back, same old Lions. And then they beat, I mean, whipped Atlanta, seven sacks against them, and now all's good again. So, yeah, people believe in Dan Campbell, but if it goes awry, we will go back to our old mindset, which we're so used to of fire everybody. But for now, I mean, the guy is untouchable for sure. You know, it's it's the thing about the whole full going forward on fourth down. That that is the way of the NFL now, man. I Everybody agree. is ultra aggressive on fourth down. LaFleur was ultra aggressive last week for the Packers and their win against the Saints. And that just is how we are. People don't want to punt. They don't they don't want to punt. They, they want to continue to go forward, have faith in your offense, put pressure on the defense. Um, and then see what happens after that. And I that's not a Dan Campbell thing. That's a National Football League uh, deal at this point. Now, I you can argue, well, our offense isn't good enough to be going forward on fourth down, to which I would say that's probably not true. Um, you know, if you're the Bears, no, you shouldn't go forward on fourth down probably. But if you've got an offense that can move the football, and last I checked last year, the Lions had that, and they've added talent. Um, I, I don't, I, again, I didn't watch that game, you know, necessarily, sure. but I don't think I would have a huge issue going forward on fourth down. Well, and I agree with you. Okay, so one was at their own 45. It was fourth and three or fourth and four. They didn't get it. Tried to extend the game and obviously keep Seattle off the field. Another one was at the Seattle 7 or 11. So they went for it, ended up scoring a touchdown. Another one was at the Seattle 33, and they went for it and did not convert. The bottom line, though, is, yeah, they didn't kick the field goals, but they're still fourth and shorts. Like, right. he's not going on fourth and eight, and usually, with the exception of a couple— it's right around midfield. So who wants to punt the ball around midfield or from their own 45 or from the other 45? So I don't have a huge issue with the going for it on fourth down. In fact, I love it, to tell you the truth. And, and then last week against Atlanta, banged up offense, bad offensive line because guys got injured. They decided to punt the ball more often because they put the, hand, the ball in the game in the defense hands and they had seven sacks and Desmond Ritter couldn't do anything. So, I don't think it's a Dan Campbell always goes for it. I think he goes for it when it's right. And usually, if you check the analytics, if you buy into this stuff, usually he's on the right side of the card, I feel. Jeff Rieger, I want to talk about the Lions rookie class. I, I really yeah. liked it coming out of the draft. I was a big fan of it. Um, and I, I saw uh, a quote off of your Twitter account from uh, Branch, the safety from Alabama, yes. on a late hit or whatever the heck he did uh, to B. John Robinson that he got flagged for. 
And his response when I asked about it was, Evan, Evan, I don't care. I'll pay it. You know, now he knows I can tackle or something like that. Yes. Um, that That is a, I'm not saying Dan Campbell is going to approve that message, but I think Dan Campbell isn't probably all that broken up about the fact that that you have guys playing like that. It feels like, you're going to laugh at me, but I feel like this is kind of a Forrest Gregish type uh, Lions team here where it's more old school hit them at all times. Who cares if a flag gets thrown one way or the other, just be the more aggressive team out there. Like the Gary Allerson teams were now you could say maybe Gary's teams were maybe a little dirty at times, maybe back in the eighties. But that's what it feels like. It feels like they're going out there uh, and they want to be the most physical team uh, and maybe instigate you into a flag or two if, if need be uh, and establish their kind of dominance uh, from that standpoint. No, I agree with you. Like, I think they pride themselves on being physical. That's the Dan Campbell mantra. And even going back to when they were losing, like last year, the year before, it was all about beating the other team in a physical basis. And if you actually listen to comments from the opposing teams, they're like, wow, that, w- that was a physical game out there. So they absolutely lo- love that. As far as Brian Branch is concerned, dude is amazing. Like, I don't know how he fell to the second round from Alabama. He's all over the field, 11 tackles last week. You're going to get a good look at him, obviously, against the Packers. Like, Brian Branch has been, without a doubt, a find. But the interesting thing about the Lions' rookie class, if you will, Sam Laporta just set a rookie record. No NFL tight end has ever, in their first three games, at least got five passes in each game. And then you'll look at Jameer Gibbs. He had 80 yards and 17 carries. He's probably a guy that benefits more by not going in between the tackles. But with Montgomery being back, he won't have to do that. And then Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa, he had his first sack. So Brad Holmes is killing it. But this is being in Detroit. Like, this is our Detroit mindset. We can't help ourselves. We always got a second guess thing. But hold on. Because all we're talking about in Detroit is – why the hell didn't you draft Jalen Carter? Because we watch what he's doing in Philly, how good he's been. He was a game record the other day against Tampa Bay. And we're like, man, a defensive tackle on this team like that would be amazing. But if you did draft Jalen Carter at six, you would not have Sam Laporta. That's true. Um, and so a couple of things. One, uh, you should th- send, really, thank you notes to the Packers uh, <laughs> for your success because you give credit to Brad Holmes. And I'm here to tell you, I give credit to John Dorsey. John Dorsey is in that front office. You're right. Doing his thing. And John Dorsey was really good in Green Bay, helping Ted Thompson with the draft, went and did the KC thing. Again, maybe does not do the cap all that well. Uh, but as far as evaluating talent and drafting and doing that thing, there's not many people better in the NFL than John Dorsey. Uh, and all you have to do is look at Iowa. He loves Iowa players. Loves, loves, loves. Go back to the Packers. He drafted Iowa players. When I, you see Iowa players coming off the board in Detroit, I'm like, and eh, John Dorsey is officially arrived. Because that that's what that dude's about. I was also seeing comments by Dan Campbell about your guy Gibbs uh, yeah. missing holes uh, and, and running the football and saying, look, you know, we're, we're running this, this stretch zone uh, and he's missing holes and he's he's going the wrong way and so forth. And then by the fourth quarter, you know, now he breaks a couple. I think he had a 21-yarder and a 12-yarder there in the fourth quarter, and he started to figure it out a little bit. Uh, and Jared Goff, I think, was on the ticket as well, talking about sky's the limit pretty much. You know, as he continues to figure this out, he's, he's going to be a beast. And as much crap as everybody gave Detroit and Atlanta for taking Gibbs and Bijan Robinson, I think both organizations get the last laugh in the next five years as far as how this turns out for both of them. Well, we'll wait and see, right? Because Detroit is always going to compare Jameer Gibbs to Jalen Carter again. 
And if Jalen Carter ends up getting a gold jacket or even a second contract, I mean, look at it from this point of view. Like, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to do more out of the passing game, without a doubt. And I think he's going to be very good, without a doubt, too. However, are you going to give a running back, you get a fifth year because he's a first-round pick, another contract? You're going to give a defensive tackle, I think, if he's really good, another contract. So I think you look at that, too. As but Rieger, as- do we know if Jalen Carter was even on their draft board? Do we, we know don't. if he was even on the we, board? Or was he off prior to the draft and said it's not happening and tossed into the garbage? 100% because of the character issues yes. and what happened to Georgia, all that. But again, I don't think it matters if he's on your draft board or not. I think it matters that he was available to you. And if he turns out to be this transcendent player in a position of need. Now, I know they had seven sacks against Atlanta, but it's still a position of need. Then I, I do think that you always say what could have been. But again, it's the Detroit mentality. But I agree with you. I agree. Bijan in his first two games was great. For some reason, in game three, Atlanta gave him the ball three to, or ten times. And the Lions did a hell of a job, 33 yards rushing. I think he got 46 yards out of the passing game. So I, I do agree with you that running backs get trashed and they don't make any money and they don't get other contracts. And, I mean, let's go to the offseason where all it was was running backs whining. They were having their own committee meeting of how and to they're get all paid hurt for. now. Right. All the whiners are hurt. They're, they're all hurt because this just proves you can go get another running back in the draft, even if you take them early on. But I, I would agree with you. But again, just know that we in Detroit are thinking about Jalen Carter as well. Do you know what I think of? I think but of no. the gamblers when I think of Detroit. That That's what I think of, right? I mean, Jamison Williams, you oh, know, we got Alabama. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. Yeah. All, all these guys, people in the office gambling we, we and all this like other stuff. Guys, yeah. Yeah. Going on with the lines, the Detroit Gamblers. I mean, if see that the, there there is there's two sides of this because if high character, if character and being having high character is a big deal one way or the other, then you have to be consistent across the board as far as how you're going to deal with issues like with what you're having with the gambling. So if you took Carter off the board because of what happened at Georgia. Okay, I can respect that because I guarantee you they're not the only team that took them of off course, the board. And when I doubt. say take him off the board, that means if they trade back to 25, they still ain't taking him if he falls because they don't want him. That's why I'm saying we don't know if he was on the board. Now, if he was on the board and they said Gibbs or Carter and they were legitimately willing to, to draft him and they went Gibbs over Carter, then I think you have a fair fight. I would love to know if he was still on the board. What about Williams, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama? Jamison Williams, yeah. What, what about him? I liked him at Alabama. Uh, he had a what a cup of coffee quickly uh, with Detroit last year. One ca- about- or he's got one NFL catch. It's a for a yeah. touchdown. I like nine it. targets, I believe. Yep. So I think he's a difference maker for this Lions offense, so they can never get him back on the field. What does the rest of this wide receiving core look like? You talked about Laporta being the guy for Jared Goff, and Goff loves throwing to tight ends. What about the wide receivers? Because the Packers they may not have Jair Alexander in this game with his back issue. No, I think you're right about this. Listen, Amon Ross St. Brown is the best of the wide receivers. Yep. Now he's not essentially like a game breaker, take the top off a defense speedster guy, but he runs unbelievable routes. He never drops the football. In fact, when he does drop the football, it's like a big deal because he never does. Yep. Sparky, he played with like a steel whatever in his shoe against Atlanta because he wanted to play so bad. He's got a toe issue and he had a hundred yards receiving. So he is without a doubt, Jared Goff's favorite target, favorite weapon. And then Josh Reynolds quickly is coming along as well. Josh Reynolds has Former a little, Ram. Bit, little bit of a deep threat, kind of underrated. Nobody ever talks about him. So I think those two guys are your receiving room. If you get J-Mo back, when you get J-Mo back, I think he's got, what, two more weeks after this? 
still on that suspension, then hopefully you're looking at that deep threat as well because your other receivers, Khalif Raymond, they just paid. I don't think he's great. He's more of a special teams guy. And then Marvin Jones is 33 years old. He turned over the ball in the first game against Kansas City. And to be perfectly honest, I don't even know if he's played the last two games because he doesn't. I haven't seen him on the field. I mean, he has played, but he really has made zero impact. So I think getting JMO back is huge. You're not going to have him back, of course, for the Green Bay game. But I think this Lions offense against the banged-up defense for the Packers is going to be able to flourish. I don't think there's any question about it. Jared Goff is not a great quarterback by any means. He doesn't throw a great deep ball by any means. He's not going to beat you with his legs like Jordan Love might beat you. But I think all in all, he right now is the perfect guy for this system. He doesn't make too many turnovers. He's got two in the first three games, but went through a stretch of 10 games without a turnover. And he just knows the system and where guys are going to be. So, yeah, I I do think the Lions are going to flourish. Now, they only had 20 points against Atlanta, but I think that was the game plan. They had a banged-up offensive line. They're going to get Taylor Decker back now. They average right around 27 to 30 points a game. So, yeah, I think if Green Bay's not able to catch up, the Lions could run away with this thing. I'm I'm interested to see what the Packers' pass rush uh, looks like uh, in this game. Rashawn Gary, coming off of injury from last year, uh, came up with three sacks this last week against the New Orleans Saints. Now, again, that Saints line isn't great. Uh, but still, came up with three sacks. He's been a beast. I, I think from a Packers' standpoint going into this game, you have to be able – to get pressure on Jerry Goff somewhat consistently. You can't let Jerry Goff get comfortable because like most NFL quarterbacks, maybe not Justin Fields, but most other NFL quarterbacks, if you give them a lot of time, they're probably going to pick you apart. You know, little by little, yeah. they're just going to move the ball down the field if you don't put some pressure on them. And I don't know if Goff can be shook necessarily, but I like the idea of hitting him on a semi-consistent basis uh, in this game, whether it's by just you know bringing the normal four or five guys, or maybe you're blitzing Quay Walker, you're blitzing off the corner, uh, and and showing them some different stuff, and really trying to get in Goff's head a little bit. So on Sat Sunday against the Falcons, they lost two more offensive linemen. Now they were both depth guys because they're already down Taylor Decker, who will play by the way in that game. At least he's going to give it a go. So the right side of that defense offensive line was brutal, and they had a rookie. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name because I didn't even expect him to play, and I had to look up who he was, frankly. But he played 36 snaps, and he did let in some pressure, and Goff got hit more than usual. And Goff, if you go back and look at that offense in the second half, he made some bad decisions, and he did not look the same. So the one thing about Jared Goff, the knock on Jared Goff, and Ben Johnson's done a great job with it. When he takes on pressure, like maybe any quarterback, his numbers drop significantly. Now, the Lions have a great offensive line, and you're going to get Taylor Decker back, which means he goes to left tackle, Panay Sewell goes back to right tackle, and it's just more of a a deeper and more healthy offensive line. So I do think that they should, I don't know, do a nice job against the Packers' pass rush. But, yes, if you find a way to get home on Jared a couple different times, he's proven, especially in the last two games where he's had a pick in each game, including a pick six, that he could go back to that Sean McVay, Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff mindset where he makes some bad decisions. All right. So that I think is how the Packers beat the lines. There is that they got to get to Jared Goff semi-consistently yes. to have a chance on offense on the defensive side of the ball for the Detroit lions. What has been their Achilles heel to this point? Cause from a Packers standpoint, we always, 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 always for the last several years, can't stop the run. That's always been a thing. That's how they lost Atlanta in the second half. When possibly one of the worst coaches, in the NFL, Arthur Smith decided, Oh, we should run the ball and not let Desmond Ritter throw it, which is the exact same thing happened in that lions game where he let Ritter throw it. What? 30 sometimes that's stupid. Yes. Ritter shouldn't throw the ball more than 15 times in a game. It should be all running the football between Algier uh, and Bijan Robinson. 
either way. Uh, so what is the Achilles heel of this Lions defense, or if there is one, through the first three weeks? All right, so there's a couple things. First of all, I thought it was interesting that you guys gave up 400 and was it 46 yards to the Atlanta Falcons? And that 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 blows me away. And then it was a bad game, but the Lions had a bad game against the Seahawks. And the Packers beat the the Packers owned the Falcons for three quarters, Rieger. For three quarters. That was Amazing. it was what happened in the Saints game this last week. Saints owned the Packers for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, Packers offense took off. Packers defense locked in. They didn't give up a point in the second half against the Saints. And in that Falcons game, the Packers defense started falling apart. Why? Because they ran the, the hell out of the ball in the second half and got the Packers tired. The Packers offense went three and out three times, I think, in the fourth quarter. Couldn't move the ball. And that was how they lost the game. They should be 3-0 and right now, honestly. That, that, that fourth quarter, the offense kind of went away. The defense, you know, remember that they can't tackle anybody. Uh, and that was the end of it. Otherwise, they would be 3-0 and right now. No, it's the same exact thing with the Lions, though. I mean, the Lions gave up 130-some yards to Seattle tight end. They couldn't get a pass rush to save their life. Geno Smith torched them and tore them apart, and they got embarrassed. The next thing you know, they get seven sacks on Desmond Ritter because they did exactly what you said they did, which is, Desmond, we'll allow you to beat us. We'll shut Bijan Robinson yep. down and Algiers down, and they did. And the Lions, by the way, defensively, do a great job against the run. If you go back the last 10 to 11 games, nobody runs on them. Now, early in the season last year, everybody ran on them. They had, like, a historically bad defense. They fired Aubrey Pleasance, who was the defensive backs coach. And all of a sudden, the defense got, like, so much better. There was one game last year against Carolina on Christmas Eve, not that I remember it, my dog's barking over here, that they gave up, like, 334 yards to the Carolina Panthers. Other than that, they've been great against the run. So even though you got Jones back, I do believe the Lions should be successful against the run. I do believe their Achilles heel, though is probably against the pass. C.J. Garner-Johnson, they went out, they got, now he's injured for the season. Um, if you look at Kirby Joseph, their other tight end, or make that safety, who picked off Aaron Rodgers three times last year, I don't think he's going to play. I'm not positive about that, but I don't think he's going to play. So they're a man down there as well. And their corners, still, Cam Sutton's good, but Jerry Jacobs, the other corner, not so good, and he's exploitable. So I think how you beat the Lions is through the air. And I know that Jordan Love loves to throw the deep ball. In fact, he's got the most air yards in football, correct? And he's only thrown one pick despite being a young guy that's just launching the football. So I do believe to see more of that from the Green Bay Packers offense. And and I wonder how the Lions are going to be able to defend that. Well, there's a couple of things here. One, he's also missing wide open throws. I and, you Why know, are you so had, negative about your own guy, Sparky? Musgrave, this last game against the Saints, that was all over the internet. I mean, he had Musgrave wide open by five to seven yards. And over uh, Jared Goff missed a wide open Khalif Raymond, too, you know, for a touchdown. So, right. you know, it does happen. But Right. So that's that's the issue. I mean, if you look at his completion percentage, just in the 50s, 55%, something like that, it's not, it's not a very good completion percentage. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. One is some of these are drops. These guys are dropping balls. These young receivers are dropping balls. So that's hurt him to a certain degree. The other thing is sometimes there's miscommunication. Perfect example. There was a fourth down play this last game at the, what was it? The 12-yard line of New Orleans, 13-yard line. They went for it instead of kicking the field goal. And LaFleur after the game said, this is what happened. I told Jordan Love, when you get to the last scrimmage, if you like your matchup, go ahead and go for it and, and take advantage. If not, Take the delay a game and we'll kick a field goal if you don't like what you see. Sounds good. He goes to the line. Patrick Taylor, backup running back, elevated off the practice squad, has been in this organization for, what, three years now, something like that? He goes out wide. Jordan Love looks at it. Okay, that's my guy. Here we go. Hike, 
takes what three steps, throws <laughs> it to where Patrick Taylor's supposed to be. Patrick Taylor took literally, I don't know, a step and a half and turned and waited for the ball. And love he was expecting Taylor to run forward because there was a huge uh gap between him and the DB, and he never ran. So the ball just goes to nowhere. And you could just see Jordan Love's look like, are you kidding me? And then Taylor comes off to the side and people are furious at Taylor for that one because he didn't read it correctly. So when you have these miscommunications, that's also hurting the Green Bay Packers because they're so young. I've been saying it from the jump, Rieger. This team in week 12 is going to be much, much better than they are right now. And that's why this is a huge game for the Packers because coming into the season, everybody said seven to nine wins. Well, I mean, if they win this game against the Lions somehow, it's the Raiders next week and a bye. They could be four and one at the bye week with the youngest team in the National Football League right now. And definitely by far the youngest offense in the National Football League. That would be amazing for the Packers when everybody in this division thought, thank yeah, God we don't got to deal with the Packers that. anymore. Now that Rodgers is done, the rain is over. Uh, the rain may not be over if they somehow to figure out a way to win this game tonight against Detroit. Well, the NFC as a whole is down, obviously. So I do believe that the Packers and Lions both have a great chance in the NFC. With that all being said, look at the flip side. For people in Detroit, if they somehow win on Thursday night, the the Lions go with the quarter mark three and one. And they justify all the optimism and all the hope that they've got. And they, too, are now getting healthy as well. And they got a pretty prolific offense. And the defense seems to get better week by week by week. So as big as it is for the scenario that you just laid out, it's exactly the same for the Lions. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say how huge of a game in week four something is. This legitimately is a pretty damn huge game. Yeah, it is a big game. Every week we do confident, concerning, curious on Friday going into the game. I think you may have done this with us once before. Okay, so all it is is what are you confident in your team in doing? going into the game? What are you concerned about your team doing? And then what are you curious about your team doing going into the game? So I'll do, we'll do confident first. Okay. I'm confident uh, that the green Bay Packers uh, and Jordan love will get back on track offensively. And I say Jordan love throws three touchdown passes in this game uh, against the Detroit Lions. confident that love throws three. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm confident that he'll get three touchdown passes because he should have easily had three uh, in that last game uh, against the saints. Uh, so I'll say he gets three touchdown passes because he had three in the first game, three in the second game. He had one throwing one running. And realistically, mi- based on missed throws alone, he should have had at least three touchdown passes in that game. He just thrown the ball correctly. So despite the missed throws, you still trust him. It sounds like. Oh, yeah. Dude, okay, you kind of got on me a little bit when I said that maybe the Lions are exploitable deep. No, Rieger, he, he's legit, dude. I, I agree. I, I'm not saying he's Pro Bowl this year. But he he's a legit quarterback in this league. Like he does not suck. He he is not Ritter. He is not Fields. He is none of that. You know, coming in, I think baseline for most of <laughs> us was, you know, if he's Jimmy G, is that good enough? You know, for Packer fans, I think a lot of Packer fans were like, yeah, hell yeah. If he's Garoppolo, we can win with Garoppolo. Well, Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl. We can figure this out. He's I think he's going to be better than that. This is the Lions' biggest nightmare, by the way. The fact that you did it with Favre, you did it with Rodgers. Yep. You're going to do it with Jordan Love again. Okay, confident for me. Right. I think Dan Gamble goes back or Dan Campbell goes back to being Dan Gamble, Danny guts, because I think now that you have a healthy offensive line that you're getting Taylor Decker back. I think you got your number one running back as well as David Montgomery, who can go between the tackles and allows Gibbs to do other things. I think now you're going to see a lot of trickery and a lot of curious decisions that Dan loves to make, whether it's a fake punt like he did against the chiefs on his own 18 yard line or going for it three times against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I think, confident 
that Dan Campbell is going to go back to. If it's fourth and two, fourth and three, especially within, I don't know, the 40s, he's going to go for it. Yeah, and I, I think LaFleur will go for it a bunch too, probably. Uh, concerns now. Uh, I'll go first here with the Packers. Concerns. I think I'm most concerned uh, about Christian Watson and Aaron Jones coming back and re-injuring their hamstring. That That's what I'm most concerned about. Because Adam Schefter uh, this morning said he believes that the Packers held uh, those guys back because they didn't want to have them play Sunday and then a short turnaround and play again against the Lions four days later coming off a hamstring injury. And they wanted to take it a little bit slow. And Detroit's a, a division rival and the team that everybody picks to win the division, so they saved them. But you know hamstring injuries. Watson had a hamstring injury last year. He was out several games. Now we start off this year with a hamstring injury for Watson as well. So I, I'm just I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm I'm very concerned that these two guys come back and all of a sudden we have re-injured hamstrings and then we lose them for another four to six weeks and it becomes a major issue. So for me, that is one of my bigger concerns is the health of those two guys coming in. My other concern uh, is the ability for them to stop the run because it sounds like Montgomery may be back for the Lions too. He will be. Right. So that's that two-headed monster. And Montgomery by himself doesn't necessarily scare me, but the pounding, the pounding, the pounding, and then Gibbs out to the outside and down the sidelines he goes. That's what concerns me, that two-headed monster, because it's kind of similar to what Atlanta has with Algier and Bijan, where they pound it with Algier, and then they get you with Bijan. Uh, where you're kind of not paying attention. Yeah. So that I, I, I always get concerned about the running game, but if Montgomery's playing, it's a two-headed monster, that becomes a concern. All right, so my concern, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to have this concern, but it's Jared Goff. So Jared Goff has already proven a ton, and a lot of Lions fans want to, you know, re-sign him and pay him a ridiculous amount of money and blah, 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 blah. But he has had two picks over the last two games, and I know it's impossible for a QB to have the streak that he had before that. But that pick on Sunday against the Falcons was, and he called it the worst throw of his career. It was <laughs> it was awful and horrendous it was one of those throws it was one of those throws where you're like what the hell is he doing they were up 13 i believe at the time and he throws this ball and i'm like wait what is that and you know how one throw can kind of take you back to all the doubts yes. that he used to have before the guy got here so yep. like i am concerned that this turnover prone if you will continues for jared goff i don't know if i have a right to be concerned about that but that's that would be the one thing I'm concerned about. The other thing I'm concerned about is Taylor Decker. And he thought his ankle was broken against Kansas City. Now, he too, like you just mentioned, your guys, Christian Watson and the company, he's fighting his way back. And I guess so is Dave Montgomery a little bit as well. So I'm a little concerned that maybe he's giving it a go too quickly. And if you lose your left tackle, despite having 10 days off after this game, I mean, your offensive line is in a world of hurt, and that's the Lions' strength, without a doubt. So those are probably the two things I'm concerned about. Boy, oh boy. Rigor, we don't have our all-pro left tackle and essentially uh, Pro Bowl, all-pro left guard in Elton Jenkins. Didn't have them all of last week. And I don't know if either one will be back this week against the Lions either. And they're the two best linemen. So in the place of those guys, are not veterans. Mm -mm, no guys with limited starts are going to have to fill in for those guys uh, and play for the Packers again this week. Like they did last week against the saints. Oh, and then Zach Tom, who is this rookie sensation that they got to start at right tackle. He hurt his knee at the end of that game. Don't know if he's going to play this week. I mean, you're talking about three fifths of this offensive line are going to be guys that shouldn't be playing coming up on Thursday night, probably. But it's legitimately the same with the lions too, because they lost Matt Nelson to probably a season end in injury. And, 
this is a guy that you counted on for depth. They lost another lineman as well. So if Decker is injured, I mean, you are looking at two-fifths, three-fifths of that offensive yep. line that is playing out of position and doesn't have a whole lot of experience as well. But thus, that's the NFL. No doubt about it. Let's talk about Curious. What are yes. you curious about coming into this one, Jeff Rieger? It's Jordan Love. I mean, I've had a chance to watch Jordan Love, but Detroit is curious about Jordan Love. There's so many questions. There's a lot of guys here. You might be uh, shocked to hear this. A lot of guys at our radio station already wrote him off. Like, before he's played this season, oh, Jordan Love stinks. Oh, what a bad draft pick. Oh, they're not going to be able to do it again. And now they're kind of rethinking those statements. Like, Jordan Love, I I love that a young guy has mobility, number one. And number two, is not afraid to air it out. I know you talked about accuracies at times. But the Lions historically have always struggled against the running quarterback. And I know he's not necessarily a running quarterback, but he's got legs. Geno Smith has legs. Didn't even kill him with his legs, but just the threat of being able to pick up the ball and run with it. I'm so curious to see how Jordan Love does against this Lions defense that has yet to see him, really. And I think Detroit is really curious, too, because if the Packers win this game, and Jordan Love is Jordan Love like he's been the first three games. And you look at the rankings. He's got the most air yards. And I believe he's got the sixth best QBR in football I saw this morning. Got the so best quarterback all- rating in football. The old school well, quarterback rating. He's number one, I believe. Nobody in wants to hear that. Nobody in Detroit wants to hear that. <laughs> but when you hear all that stuff and there's some anxiety because we're thinking to ourselves, okay, maybe the Bears are going to be better. And, okay, maybe the Vikings won't definitely fall that far off from their 11-win season last year or 12 wins, whatever they won. But we're definitely certain that the Packers stink. We're definitely certain that the run is over for Green Bay. And now you look at Love through three games. And he balls out at Lambeau. And all those memories of Rodgers balling out at Lambeau come flooding back to the memory banks. It's not going to be a great Friday for Detroiters. So, so that's the number one thing I'm curious about. How Jordan Love does the action of Detroit if Jordan kills it. That's okay. I'll, I'll stay with you on that. Okay, I'll stay with you on the curious side. I'm curious to see how many times we hear the name Aaron Rodgers mentioned on this broadcast on Thursday night. That's what I'm curious about because there is going to be more of a spotlight on Jordan Love than any other player on that field, I think, between Green Bay and Detroit. Okay, so there'll be some talk of Jameer Gibbs. Will Porto get his flowers for how well he's played so far this year? Brian Branch will get flowers, but Jordan Love's going to be the guy, right? If the, the better Jordan Love plays, the more they're going to hype up. Oh, my God, the Packers have found the formula of three years waiting and Rodgers, three years waiting, and now here's Jordan Love. And then you'll have Rodgers. Oh, it's so unfortunate. He got hurt for the Jets. And, oh, we feel so bad for New York. And blah, 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 blah. I bet you over, under on Rodgers mentions, I'll give it five, at least five times. Rodgers' name will be mentioned throughout this broadcast. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go seven. Okay, another guy that will get mentioned, though, is Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. Especially if he gets home on Jordan Love. Now, the Lions had seven sacks in the game against Atlanta. Before that, in two games, they had one sack. Finally, Hutch got some pressure. Now, he had pressure. That's unfair. But finally, he got two sacks. He forced a fumble. He recovered a fumble. Did his little stinky leg dance, I believe he calls it. So, I I think you'll hear a lot about him as well. And by the way, for all the people watching... Um, it's not me, but guys on our radio station, Amazon was actually in yesterday. Oh, and and they were actually videotaping for their for their pregame show. A couple guys, our midday show, Scott Anderson and Doug Karsh. So I got to believe that they're gonna at least make a cameo in the pregame. Nice. Yeah, not That's that you awesome. got here, but yeah. I wonder if they went to one of the sports talk stations in Green Bay and did the same thing. I'm curious. Probably. 
I bet you not. I bet you they went to a sports talk station in Milwaukee and didn't go to Green Bay. Bet. On bet. Bet. I'll bet. bet. That, that's how this goes. Uh, one last thing here. Yes. Because I do have you 911. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if we've talked about this, but for those of you that probably do know, uh, Rieger is called 911 by us here in Milwaukee because of an unfortunate incident that happened during a Bucks post game show. I was in Arizona doing spring training and we had this old ass, like 1960s phone yes. um, that you had to press down or whatever. The one the stuck. The, right. The, the one would stick. So he accidentally, he went to call nine and then dial out to call me because he was on the air talking to boycott. If you don't like what Terry Stotts and the Bucks are doing, boycott this team, boycott this team, whatever. Still got the sound drop all these years later. It's amazing. Uh, and it was a whole big deal. And that was a Stotts coach team. And I was furious. I called the producer line. I'm yelling at the producer. Tell him to shut up. I'm going to have no listeners. And they boycott this team. What the hell is he doing? Blah, 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 blah. And so Rieger goes to call me back. The one sticks calls 911. And the police show up at the station and they end up talking to the producer and yada, yada, yada. So that's how I got the nickname 911. But that was a Terry Stotts coach, Milwaukee Bucks team. Don't yes. know if you were paying attention this offseason, but Terry Stotts is back on the Bucks oh, bench in Milwaukee as an assistant coach now uh, to Adrian Griffin of the Milwaukee Bucks. So Stotts back in Milwaukee. Now, now to be fair, just to clarify, at the time, everybody was bitching and moaning about the previous coach, if yes. you remember, and the previous situation. So I actually was sticking up for the Bucks and the Bucks GM at the time, Harris, right? Larry he went Harris. on the radio the next, I think went on with you the next day and said, yeah. I understood his point, which yep. was, listen, you give him a chance, but if you don't want to give him a chance, your other alternative is to boycott this team. Yep, no doubt. Larry Harris, uh, a friend of mine, and he's been with the Gold State Great Warriors hair, organization. Well, yeah, slick back, back hair. hair. Yeah, yeah. A little Pat Riley ass. Very cool. Yeah, he's been uh, VP of player personnel or whatever it is for the Golden State Warriors for the last, well, for most of this run, I think, uh, uh, with for Bob Myers and stuff out in Golden State. Jeff Rieger, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, you can download this on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Always live streaming this bad boy. Just makes things easier for everybody involved. So check us out there too. Uh, and Rieger, I'm apparently going on your podcast. Yes. So what's your podcast so people can check that out? All right, so it's called The Daily Ticket, and every day, Monday through Friday, we have, uh, you know, a 15, 20-minute take on the big news of the day. Like, for instance, Mel Tucker just got fired from Michigan State. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I did about 20 minutes why Urban Meyer is the obvious choice, but it would oh never happen. No, it is the oh obvious choice. You want to bring Michigan State back to relevance? He hates Michigan. He hates Ohio State for no. how things ended there. He's won everywhere he's been with the exception of doing a little grinding in Jacksonville. You, like, what are you Ur talking about? Stop, stop, stop. Urban you, you got all this drama with Mel Tucker. Why no, no, in no, the no. world do you want more drama with Urban Meyer and whatever he Sparky. does to some you know random what happens? girl drama on campus? Drama goes away when you win. Drama goes The optics are just optics. And mm -hmm. when you change the actual winning thing, it actually gets better. Like, yeah, no. it's going to be awful. Big PR hit, but I don't know. Go ask somebody about Michigan State football right now. It's already a disaster. No, so they should take the I'll, hit. No, what they should got? do, they they, they, sh they should go get one of the former Badger guys. They should go get Jim Leonard, who is the defensive coordinator. Yes. That was a hot ticket. They should go put him in charge. Or if you want to get real conservative, go get Paul Chris. He's just I don't want to. He's get just helping out in Texas. They build programs that are consistently winners. Then once you get back to me, consistently winners and are viewed as a good program again, then go get your next head coach to get you over the hump. No, go no. win, go no. win.
Michigan State, listen, I don't like Michigan State because I'm a Michigan fan, but my goodness, those poor fans deserve actual good football. I know a guy that can give you good football. Anyway, yes, but yes, the daily ticket, check it out wherever you get your podcast. It's on YouTube every day as well and um, all that kind of good stuff. Urban Meyer. Could you imagine? First of all, the Ohio State fans are ever-loving mine because Ryan Day, they all want gone anyhow down there in Columbus. And then Harbaugh and Urban Meyer in the Big Ten together? Holy Amazing. Amazing. By the way, Urban's 5-0 against Jim Harbaugh. Urban (laughs) despises Michigan. The one thing Michigan State people want more than anything in life is to beat Michigan. (laughs) It would be without it. It will never happen. I get it. The, The school's still looking for a president. Right. But it would be, without a doubt, the best hire. And they oh. would win so – hit the transfer portal. He yep. could recruit the, the, the Midwest. I mean, yep. it'd be unreal. Yeah, it would be. It would be great storylines, great oh. drama. No doubt great about drama. that. Be Follow Rieger on Twitter at Rieger1984, 97.1 The Ticket to Detroit. Wojo and Rieger show weeknights from 6 to 8 o'clock. Have a good one. We'll talk to you on Friday. Toodles. 